Hello and welcome back to another InBay podcast. I'm joined again today by our series regulars and good friends, Daniel Welling and Simon Butler. And I also have one of my work colleagues and also a good friend, Colin Dolligan, joining us today. So Colin is InBay's internal recruiter. He joined us last week when we focused on looking at recruitment in the MSP industry. And today we're going to be looking at kind of part two of that, which is the retention side of things. So um, I know we've all been employees in businesses before in the past, so we've probably all got experiences of what we personally want to see to make sure that we're retained in businesses and we stay working for a particular company. So what we might do today is change up a little bit. It's Daniel, I'm probably going to come to you first because we seem to always speak to you last in these podcasts. So we're going to um, kind of open up with you. What for you, is, let's just start with kind of a basic overview of what you believe that companies should be doing in terms of retaining staff and helping staff to want to stay within that business. Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for coming to me uh, f- first on on this episode. Uh, um, hard to get a word in edgeways with uh, uh, Simon and Colin on the uh, on the episode, but uh, but um, equally good to listen as uh, as to speak. Um, and I certainly learned a lot from uh, from the last episode. So if you've not listened, go back go back and listen to that. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of where to start with retention, um, I'll uh, I'll leave some of the more controversial. Uh, topics to uh, 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 to my uh, my colleagues on this uh, on this uh, podcast, um, and I'll start with a pretty pretty grey, boring, um, uh, un, un, unexciting but absolutely essential recommendation, which is that you've got to map out for the employee how they are going to progress during their time working for your business. Um, so uh, everybody uh, generally wants to know where they're going. Not everybody wants to progress at rocket speed. And those that do want to progress at rocket speed um, need to know uh, how they're going to do it and uh, and, and what the expectations are. So uh, this comes down to at the very beginning, and I would say during the recruitment process to be um, understanding exactly what the candidate's ambitions are uh, aligning those to what your business's ambitions are, and, and mapping out what they what they're going to do. Um, so that could be having a training and development plan, um, uh, setting some realistic uh, uh, goals over a one, two, three year period, um, and uh, uh, yeah, and and and, and effectively uh, building your plan based on what the uh, uh, what the the candidates your your team members are, are looking to achieve. Um, I think a lot of candidates do uh, do go to market because they don't feel they're able to progress in the company that they're in. Um, and, uh, and and I suspect that uh, some of those circumstances are, are, are just misunderstood and they could actually progress if they'd been vocal in saying what they want to do and the and their employer had been vocal in saying, yes, tell us what you want to do and we'll, we'll do our best to, to, to make it happen. So um, I'll throw I'll throw that idea out there for um, uh, for spirited debate. Thanks, for that, Daniel. So, um, Colin, with your recruitment hat on, is that something that you feel is is as important, or is there kind of other factors that you think also need to be brought in when in the recruitment process when looking at the retention of the staff afterwards? Yeah, I think that's a really good point there by Daniel. It's it's essentially you've got to get the right people on board. So. From day one, from the interview process, make sure you understand what the candidate wants and needs. So 
have some sort of a roadmap for them. And conversely, let the candidate know what you can offer them in terms of benefits, in terms of training, in terms of progression, even in terms of, you know, what their work colleagues will be like. So I read an interesting article the other day, and it's the traditional thing back to references is employers always say to a candidate, give me three, three employment references. Well, sometimes you should think, let's turn that on the head. And the candidate could say, let me speak to three of your employees, because comes back to it being very much a two-way street and retaining retaining your staff, your colleagues, that's all key to it. Oh, definitely, that's a good point. And do you think that's something that you think will be brought in is actually candidates kind of being a bit more open about asking for references from businesses? I'm hearing it more and more at the moment is I feel like we're definitely in a bit more of an employee market at the moment where they are for lack of a better term, dictating kind of the rules of when it comes to recruitment. So is that something that we're seeing more? Is actually the candidates kind of taking more control of the process rather than the actual employers or the businesses? I think it can go on behind the scenes and it probably does and the employer doesn't even know about it. And a platform like LinkedIn makes that so much easier, a quick little in-mail or message and, and they can potentially get the information they need. So I don't know if we'll ever become formal or, or normal practice but certainly I think it, it will play a part and it will you know give the candidate a, a better idea of the environment they're joining so therefore that will improve the retention rate and hopefully they'll uh, hang around for a few years rather than a few months <laughs> <laughs> you're always so optimistic <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Simon I don't know if you had any response to that or you wanted to add anything on to the points that have just been raised there The main thing I always, I read a lot about, uh, particularly on some of the online forums, is that um, people will join companies, but they'll leave managers. So I think um, one of the things that, you know, I've I've always looked for when I've, you know, looked to joining uh, employers, if you like, is, you know, the environment I'm working with, the people I'm working with, do I get on with the person who is interviewing me? You know, um, and just sort of like almost like soft things, if you like, you know, are they in a nice building? Are they, you know, is it, am I going to like working there? Because I'm going to be going there. I'm going to be spending most of my waking hours at that location. Okay, we get lots of work from home now, but it's, you know, uh, you know, I think sometimes it can be, it can be soft things, you know, and then you look at retention, you think, right. Is this move round going to, you know, is this move round we're proposing for people? Is that going to cause a problem? Or, you know, um, we can think about the classic things like, you know, with, with um, you know, things like Dilbert and things like that, where, you know, the move from offices to cubicles or to open plan and all this sort of things, you know, and it can be little things that can build up over time, if you like. And it can, you know, be something that on it, you know, you take it in isolation, it's nothing. But it can be a combination of the, you know, they're, they're no longer, it's a longer walk to the toilets or the, the kitchen or whatever, or they've changed something or, you know, and all these sorts of things. And so I sometimes think, you know, employers can sort of, yeah, okay, it's not home, but the environment has to be right. You know, you want to be uh, interacting with people, but you also maybe want to have quiet time and all this sort of stuff. So, and it can also, you know, other things, you know, I remember losing someone because um, back when I was a manager, because we didn't have the budget um, to upgrade the machines. We were still running on quite old machines and three, four year old machines. Um, 
And, you know, they just said, well, I've got a better kit at home. <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a silly thing, but they said, well, I'm sitting here in front of this for eight hours a day and I'm spending most of my time effectively banging my head against the table waiting for it to do something. You know, so it, sometimes retention can be little things that maybe managers, particularly the higher up the arc, the arc, higher up the arc, arc, arc hierarchy hierarchy you go <laughs> they can lose focus on it particularly if you get in a bigger business where you know the, the, the bosses are in a nice plush office with plants and everything like this so yeah i think i think that, you know there's a lot to be played about just having a um a nice environment to work in with nice people and nice equipment uh, and all this sort of stuff and then having as you were saying now daniel with the roadmap and all this sort of stuff to develop technically because part of the problem we got, particularly with the IT industry, is that there's this perception that the only way you get you make massive strides is by job hopping, two, three, four years tops in a job. If you're longer than that, you're going to be going stale because businesses are operating on a longer cycle, or just because you won't get the same sort of pay rise in a business. You might get a couple of percent or whatever. Whereas the big leaps are when you change jobs or change roles, particularly. You know, if we're talking about our core market of MSPs, you know, most MSPs are quite small in nature. You know, you've got the big ones, but you go and get a, you know, say uh, an MSP with say ten people in it. You know, you're you're a little limited on where you know on what you can do with that, Um, and that's obviously going to always be a challenge. I think. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And that is something that is quite prevalent, especially, like you said, in the IT industry at the moment, is people believe that job hopping, or understandably, is that job hopping is the best way to, A, progress in your career, and B, like you said, in simple terms, get a pay rise. It's much easier to get a pay rise by job hopping to another job than it is to sit in your business and hope that in your annual appraisal they're going to offer you more than a couple of percent. So I, I guess, Colin, is that something you see quite a lot in recruitment is people job hopping because they're looking to kind of make that leap that they're not being able to make in their current businesses? Or It's it's a combination of a number of factors and it's very individual, isn't it, really? But interestingly, when whenever I talk to a potential or a candidate, I will, my first question is, what's your reason for, for looking for a new role? And more often than not, it is career progression will be the first answer. Secondly, is that they're just, you know, going a bit stale. And then they never really mention salary until prompted. And you sort of say, and what about salary? And they go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll want a 25% pay rise as well. So it's almost like that is a is probably still the biggest driver in many in, many, in most cases. But it's, it's a combination of that and the career progression and the challenge and the environment, like we mentioned earlier. So... It's. I don't think it's ever really one set thing. It's normally a combination of two or three different factors. Yeah, and I was going to say that's the thing. It's it's subjective to every individual employee that you've got. You know, different people have different ambitions and different reasons they come into work. Like I said, for some people, it is the career progression. Some people, it is literally the environment and the people they work with. So all of those, you know, play a massive factor into it. But um, again, what I was, I was going to bring up was quite interesting is obviously the change now since the pandemic that a lot of us are now either hybrid or purely homeworking. That has obviously had a big impact on this whole kind of idea. I know we were talking very briefly before about the, the Google world, you know, where they had these massive offices with... Um, beanbags and pool tables and everything and obviously now with the kind of remote working environment 
that aspect of trying to make your office a really fun environment to be in is probably not as important as it used to be. So again, I don't know if anyone wants to jump in, if anyone's kind of seen any changes with how homework and, and home life is, is affected kind of retention within businesses. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm happy to jump in on this one too, because I, I think it's, um, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag, I would say, in terms of um, where, where you, where you happen to sit on, on the, uh, on the equation, because um, in, in some ways, um, the uh, the the, uh, the the opportunity for remote working, some candidates really appreciate it, and uh, and therefore uh, are more available to, uh, to to new employers as a result for those that are offering it. Um, e equally, um, some candidates really don't want to work remotely. So um, if if the employer is uh, is you know resolute on having having people working uh, working remotely then then they may not appeal to that that candidate so what i'm certainly starting to see is as i think the the dust settles on this we've had some pretty extreme reactions to um uh, to, uh, to to the uh, to the situation over the over the last couple of years and i think in reality everyone's going to end up with a bit of a hybrid um exactly exactly as you described so that they can cater for attract and retain a, a wider cross section of the uh, of the working population, um, and uh, and that also has other benefits in terms of the level of person that you're recruiting. So um, the the, you know, the more junior member of staff needs to spend some time with the more senior member of staff in order to sort of soak up some of that experience, um, and uh, and and that's. Uh, you know, far harder to do over a Teams call than it is sat in an office with someone. So uh, e even in in that respect, you know, you it, you can't draw a hard line between senior and junior being uh, home based or, or office based. Um, so I, I think I think it, it will just become part of the the regular mix. Um, if anything, I think it's going to become it's more practical to be wider adopted than the the four day working week um, because I think. It, it working five days but some of those days being at home i think gets that right balance for the for the majority yeah because i've definitely heard from people even people that we've worked with colin has um have said that in old jobs you know they went to home working and then suddenly you know the mandates kind of changed i'll come in two days a week coming three days a week back to coming in five days a week and that was when they lost a, a big majority of stuff because i think a lot of people see a benefit in that hybrid model and, and being able to work from home and, and have the ability to be flexible as and when you need to. Um, I mean, we were talking earlier, Colin's daughter's decided that she's going to have a party tonight. So the ability <laughs> to be flexible sometimes <laughs> is, is needed. So <laughs> in this kind of like the modern work and life, but yeah, um, I think what would be quite maybe a bit of a fun topic to talk about is to kind of talk about the, the cliches that businesses have when it comes to retention. So I know I've seen a lot of videos where people joke about how, um, you know, managers decide rather than giving everyone a, a, a ride, you know, a pay, pay rise or um, offering something that's going to help with their career. They, they offer, you know, a pizza party once a month and things like that. So I, I don't know if we go around, if anyone got any cliches that they've seen in their time or have heard of that, employers or managers seem to use that they think is going to help retain staff which actually doesn't really do anything well many many years ago Luke and this company aren't listed on my uh, LinkedIn profile I was uh, 
a young young gun, up and coming recruiter in the IT sector. And the company I worked work for, you could describe them as something of a, a sweatshop, to be honest. But to improve morale, make everyone happy, they decided to get a table football table into the office. So the first day this table football table arrived, ah, oh, everyone there was competitions. It was it was a free for all. It was all over social media. The marketing team went into overdrive. From that day onwards, if you were seen near that table, football table, and it wasn't after half six in the evening, you would get an absolute dressing down from the managers. So it was there purely, maybe once a month, they do another marketing drive, join us, hit, we've got a table, football table. But in reality, it was there purely just for show. So yeah, I, I don't really fall for those uh, great marketing uh, drives anymore, shall we say. Yeah, no, I could say I can imagine a lot of companies do that as well. Like you said, the first day is a real excitement and buzz around it, and then suddenly it's yeah. like, nope, no one's allowed to use it now. Yeah. <laughs> what about Simon? Have you got any any anecdotes or stories? The main thing that keeps coming to mind is all the is these. Um, my last two employers before I went contracting both did it, and it was this the annual dinner stroke whatever. You know where they thought you know uh, you know they could go and hire a nice hotel whatever usually with a, um, a golf course attached so that you know the five salespeople could go and play a round of golf because uh, that's obviously where they did most of their deals um, and the rest of us sort of you know went in a big hall listened to some speeches ate some mediocre food that was obviously done on a budget um, stayed in a so-so hotel. Um, and, um, you know, having trekked halfway across the country, you know, I remember South Wales was one I did. I did one up north somewhere, um, you know, and I just sort of thought, well, what's the blooming point? You know, we get everyone together like three times a year. Both employers had staff scattered around the country and we get everyone together in the office anyway, you know, for the, the, the quarterly meeting where everybody has to come back to the office. And all of the ones who are remote usually go off and have a dinner afterwards because they don't see each other, you know, a lot of the time anyway. All the office staff, you know, we, we all go, no, we're not doing that. We're getting home now. We've seen enough of you lot all the rest of the day. But um, And I just thought, you know, okay, that's cost the company, you know, a bit of cash, obviously. Um, you know, but, for the you know, the cost of, you know, let's say it's 300 quid, 300, 400 quid, including the cost of, the, you know, staying overnight in the hotel or whatever. You know, and I was like, no, I just, I just would have preferred the cash, to be honest, some things. You know, I know we were talking before we started, you know, about, you know, my opinion, you know, retention. It's it's all about the mon- money and toys. Um, you know, I'm not going to get onto that rant because otherwise we'll be here for the next hour. But um, I just think, you know, employers, just to, to go off tack from what you originally asked, Luke, I think employers need to keep an eye on what drives their staff um you know what makes them want to come to work you know because that was the thing when i uh, my last full-time job the last two or three weeks were the worst i was doing an hour-long commute i was getting ready for contracting i had contract set up i knew that as soon as i left i was going to earn more in my first week than i earned in a month in my last job but i was on a long long notice period and i but that was the thing. It, it was, you know, and that's where the working from home comes in and all this sort of stuff, you know. 
if you're going to offer work from home, make sure you actually commit to offering work from home and it goes in the contract and all this sort of stuff, because I've heard so many stories of people being off to work from home. They get it for a week and then they're told, no, actually, we changed our mind. Everyone's got to be in for, you know, five days a week or whatever. And I think just, you know, back then, this is almost 20 years ago, I was putting a tank of fuel in my car every week to go to work. You know, so these days, you know, um, that would probably be, you know, 80 to 100 quid a week. So by working from home, I'm 400 pounds a month better off. Especially you know, when you're filling a Bentley, Simon. I wish it was a Yaris. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, it's, you know, all right, there's better ways of doing it now. You know, probably now if I was doing that same thing, I probably would add a diesel or something like that rather than, you know, um, a, a granny mobile. Um, but um, the, the, there's so many things that, you know, that you can do. So, yes, okay, yes, so money is important. But the work from home, you know, can make a significant financial difference you know to a lot of people you know i think that's you know what a lot of people discovered during the pandemic was how much extra cash for the one of better words they actually had uh, and i think that's but yeah going back to my original thing i think it's it's all about it's a package you've got to get all of the elements of that package right so that include you know that includes so the environment who you're working with job you're doing the career progression it's you know you get one of them wrong and that can cause resentment and so i can as an employer it can be very difficult to get it right but that's unfortunately i think that's what you've got to do you've got it's the it's the overall thing that has to be has to be right or if it's not completely right the other things have to almost cancel out the other one as long as the other the thing that's not right is not really really bad you know so you know they're not sitting you know desk that's falling over you know underneath the air conditioning unit using a computer that's 10 years old next door to the um public toilets example so i don't know i mean i think that's probably a really good way to kind of round off the conversation that we're having those are some really good points yeah one more luke if that's all right go for it colin (laughs) okay um, something else that's, that's very important, and uh, I was chatting to a, a very wise colleague of mine today, and I'll mention her by name, Laura May, and she's read an article recently around retention um, within companies. It's, it's a little bit cliche, but we've all heard of KPIs, key performance indicators, but what Laura read was KPI in, in different ways. So keep people informed, keep people interested, keep people involved, keep people inspired. And and I think that sums it up quite nicely. It's it's something that it's the employer's responsibility to a large extent to, to make sure they're getting the most and offering the most to their workforce because it's very difficult. You lose a member of staff, it's very expensive to replace cash-wise, but you're also losing a lot of, lot of knowledge. So if you bear in mind those four KPIs, I think that will certainly help around retaining your people. Definitely. That's great. I love that. That's really good. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us today. Daniel, Simon, Colin, um, really appreciate it. It's been a great chat. And to everyone listening, if you want to discuss any of these things further, feel free to reach out to any of us at any time. And we look forward to the next one. Brilliant. Thank you.